Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Sid McKay, and this week I am chatting with Simon and Neil from this awesome band here, Block Out The Sun. I don't know if you've noticed, but the podcast has kind of taken, I guess, a slightly darker turn over the past sort of few weeks, and this week is no different. We've been really diving into social media, what it does to people, its kind of role in society and, and in people's lives it's just it's got some notes similar to the kind eyes chat that i did a couple of weeks back so block out the sun are an awesome band and basically their whole thing is social observation and calling out the stuff that they see and how things can be made better so their new ep which is called block out the sun is available now on Spotify, Apple Music, all those places that you listen to music, you can buy a copy too, which is always an awesome thing to do for a band. And the song that's playing at the moment is called Against the Ropes, and it's an absolute fucking banger. As always, I'll play it in full at the end of the chat. But I want to get straight into that now because it's an awesome one. Simon and Neil are great guys, and we have a good bit of fun with this chat. So let's get into it. This is the More Than Punk podcast, Block Out the Sun. See you at the end of the episode. Thanks for coming and hanging out, guys. The, I mean, the new track is... A, I always sound like I'm brown-nosing this because the whole part of like doing a music podcast is I get to interview bands that I like. So And I don't have to interview bands that I don't like. So like when I'm like, man, I love the new track, it makes me sound like a dick. But genuinely... <laughs> The new track is very cool. Thank you. Uh, thanks, I can't guys. wait for you to hear the uh, the rest of the EP. To be honest, it's uh, it's really good. Really happy with it. Been a long time coming, that's for sure. <laughs> you should send it to me. Cough, cough. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure we can definitely do that. Yeah, definitely. Man. Obviously that's not it. me because I can't use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> by the time Neil gets it to you, the second EP will be on its way. So we'll have done the album by then. Yeah. Nice. So is, is that the plan? Is it to do a couple of EPs and then an album, or what's the? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think because like for for us, the, the, this process has been quite a long time, like uh, coming because obviously we we started all this. What is it now? Two years ago, is it now? Something like that. Must be like yeah, easily like that that long ago. And we kind of um, so to begin with, we had to like not issue, but we were just trying to find someone to drum to begin mm. with, which was proving to be absolute pain <laughs> in the ass. And then we finally found Johnny, which was, was awesome, because Johnny is someone who knows us all really well as well anyway. And then, um, yeah, we'd gone into to sort of like, you know, wanting to kind of eventually start playing shows or whatever. And then obviously the pandemic hit and that kind of put everything to a massive grinding halt, basically for everybody, you know, in the world, didn't it? So. Yeah, we then we just tracked some drums and sort of tracked the guitars. Had you even done any vocals at that point? No, like I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff had been like sort of rehearsed, but we'd not like kind of drilled into how I was going to do the vocals properly because 
I've got kind of a way that I like to do my vocals. Like I like to kind of thrash it out and jam a little bit, but then, you know, get to a point then where I kind of write, I can see where my phrasing is going to be and everything. And then I want to sit down and actually like write it out to, to something. Oh, yeah. You see, so like another, everyone's got their own way of doing things and but it's just how I like to do it. And I feel that you get better, a better sort of almost um, result out of that, you know, cause you can kind of listen to it back and hear yourself. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of take it to pieces, really, on how uh, how it sounds. But, but yeah, so we obviously we did. I mean, we got to a point there, when we said, well, we're going to do the EP, because um, we were like, well, we just want to put something out. You know, we don't know how long it's going to be before we'll be able to play a show. But we were like, well, you know, fuck it. Why do we just get you know something onto? Uh, well, we're onto we're the track and, and send it out. This wasn't even going to be an EP, like. We uh, we thought we had to pay our dues and do like a demo first. So this was going to be like the the early early demo, just uh, straight to tape or whatever. Like, um, but yeah, it just it, there was just no point in doing it as a demo. It just sounded too good, and it was just it would have ended up being a waste of the songs. And then you know we were lucky enough to have somebody want want to release it, and you know we'd have we'd have been we'd have been playing shows by now if we could have, mm. but. Yeah, definitely. Pressingly, we can't. Yeah, the reason I asked is because I was hanging out with um, Aaron Pauly from Of Mice and Men a couple of weeks ago because they've released their new EP, Timeless. But mm. their their game plan for at least the time being is to go three EPs and then an album sometime in the future. Because like generally, when you ask a band if it's an EP or an album, depending on the band, it's like, oh well, it's cheaper to do an EP, right? And it's and it's easier. But for these guys, the case was like, oh, you know, we've done a bunch of albums and we just wanted to try something different. So instead of doing an album, it's an EP trilogy, which is right. I think I don't that's know, like all power to them, right? But I think it's the in the way that people consume music now as well. You know, they tend to listen less to full albums and all that sort of shit, which is that was why I was curious. Sorry, me, and, me and Simon have kind of differing opinions on this. I know Simon really wants to do an album yeah. and I'm, I'm just like, I, I just want to do, write a bunch of songs and just get them out there as soon as possible. Cause I've always had problems with, you know, you get like eight, 10 songs into an album, writing it. And then, you know, it's just such a long process and the recording of it is such a, a huge thing. And it's, it just takes a bunch of time, and um, I, like I, I, I'm a, I'm a live guy. I'm not a recording guy. I, I just want to play gigs. So I'm yeah. just like, right. I mean, do, I think we made, when we talked it, about you know. it as well, I think you made like a really good point about, and I guess what did sort of sink into me is that, like, you know, the way that we are, like, people absorb or get their music now is like it's so fast the way that it kind of comes through, especially now we we pretty much all use like you know so. Um, you know like your Spotify. Spotify's and the yeah. like of that and so like it is kind of it is a good point to kind of even if you write a masterpiece it's kind of hard to keep people's interest because it's just like music is just evolving so fast all the time and there's so many things coming out all the time which is a great thing obviously in a lot of ways because it's so much more easily accessible for people now you know and I mean I guess when you think of the time that we've been in for the last 12 months especially like you know, back in when I was younger, it was it was it was going like to shows and speaking to people and find out about new bands. But like now, you find out about everything on the internet, don't you? And, and so not being able to go yeah. to shows and stuff. It's like now, it's it's it's, it's a good way you know, to be doing it. So, 
I was having this yeah. conversation with the um, Devil Soldiers Soul guys the other night because my whole thing on this is arguably extremely controversial. And there's 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 so much music coming out, and there's so many good bands coming out that if someone like Metallica came out now, they wouldn't be as big as as they are, and we wouldn't know them for the things that we know them for. And that's not necessarily because they're a bad band. It's just that like when they came out there weren't that many you know you could play the whiskey a go-go to a room full of a and r guys get picked up by a major label here's a million bucks go on tour yeah you know yeah yeah about everything i mean yeah absolutely me and neil might differ on the metallica thing on this one maybe but like like you think about everything that metallica kind of i feel gave and like i don't know like i'm yeah i mean i mean they're just an example right i'm not yeah 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 i mean for me i mean i've uh, Can we now spend an hour talking about the snare sound on some yeah. anger or something? Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing, isn't it? Like, no. it's like a career has now been totally washed <laughs> by the world's shittiest snare sounds on an album. It's like, fucking hell. It's, me- it's, it's mental how I listen to, you know, like Master of Puppets and be like, this is just so banging, so rad. And then you can go and just put on Sent Anger and just go, I just can't okay. understand this being... It, some kind of monster is the greatest DVD, as long as you're not a Metallica fan, I imagine. It's so, I mean, like, how can you do that? Just, just reality is just yeah, it's insane. Like, I love it. Oh, God. Yeah. During, yeah, during every, like, recording exploit of my life for, like, the last sort of 15 years, we've, we've watched that DVD just to, like, get some sort of perspective on you know you get in you get in the studio and everything's so serious yeah and then yeah. You, you stick on some anger on like the first evening and then everything's just like you watch james hetfield stomping around in a pair of dungarees looking like a gigantic kangry baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah it ruins it doesn't it so let's stop talking about this now because it's like it's gonna, i'm gonna have to go and listen to um, justice for all after this interview <laughs> See, this, the thing with that that dvd though and is that like now music journalists will be like to bands, oh, so what was it like in the studio? Expecting, you know, someone to stomp around in dungarees, but instead it's like, you know, we just sat down and ate some pizza and recorded some songs. Yeah. You I know, mean, like you're like, oh, we weren't even in a studio. We were in some guy's like flat and we recorded it in straight into a laptop. Yeah. It's like there was no Bob Rock. They've surely got to be able to, because like that's the beauty now, I guess, if you've been in a band that long together and you pretty much probably dislike each other as much as they seem to come across at times that's the beauty of technology now isn't it you don't even have to be in the same room you don't have to same be country. in the same city or country you can call stuff separate so there is an advantage there for them like so you guys familiar with um the record label fixed f-i-x-t no they're they're, they're niche they're super indie they do um like Cell Dweller, Blue Starly, the sort of electronic rock kind of rock opera style stuff. It's, it's out there shit. It's pretty cool. But the reason I bring it up is that as, instead of EPs or albums, a lot of their artists release what they call chapters of albums. So they'll release two songs at a time over the course of like six months. And then you can either buy, well, I mean, no one buys music anymore, but like you can either buy those or you can just wait for the whole album to come out. And I always feel like that's a slightly, like, that's quite a cool way of doing it. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like that. I like, I mean, I do listen to a lot of, like, more, I guess you could call it, like, progressive, I don't know, metal. I mean, that's open to interpretation, I guess, from certain people. But 
like you kind of I don't know like you I don't know like bands like Old Man Gloom and stuff where they kind of release things in kind of like you say like kind of like chapters and you kind of one follows on from the other almost um, especially on the record side of things like kind of like those seminar tours and whatever and I, yeah kind of into that and going back to what we were saying about yeah EPs I mean I don't know I think definitely would be cool to do sort of a for us anyway to try and piece together right like you say rather than maybe doing an album Neil just you know mm. piece together sort of maybe three or four EPs with a, a flowing concept I, that's it I love, I love that sort of thing where things fit together into pieces and you know things give a hint of what's to come next and then that next one follows on like yeah. um yeah that the, without it being like a concept record or whatever just like i love like that concept flowing through a number of releases i think that's amazing i think it's not that what's mental is like we've had literally 12 months have been like pretty much pinned down but there's just so much that's gone on in the world and like it's almost like as from from a lyrical perspective like you know you would have thought that there wouldn't be much to write about but there's been so much that's gone on in the world around us um so many different things that i'd like i mean starting off where we've started off on this ep uh, and moving on to what it's going to be like you know in the next three or four years uh the world around us i think that there's just there's so much content although you'd have thought we've been stuck in a house for pretty much for 12 months there wouldn't have been anything so i think that's yeah, why you've got to get things out quickly as well especially if you're writing about the here and now yeah you don't want to be writing about something and then it getting released like two years down the line and the you know it just being a, a nil point sort of like not feeling relevant yeah yeah of course yeah you can see in, in some bands where the whole situation's kind of fucked that timeline for them like the newer data remember album came out recently um, right. and you can yeah. kind of see like that's obviously written because it was delayed several times right obviously written before all of this happened written with the intent of being toured and played and all of that kind of stuff and you hear it like with knowing that you can't see it and it's you know see it live i mean and it's kind of a slightly weird it, it gives the album like a slightly weird texture if that makes okay. sense like you kind of it, i guess it hits different right because you can pick out the songs where you're like oh yeah that'd be great for like being in the pit or you know like this is kind of like a mid-set song but you're like ah, oh, how does it fit into the world yeah, yeah this yeah. is the big sing-along section where the wind machines come out <laughs> yeah and the hamster ball and all the rest of it you know yeah. like, that's it that that's it's different being like a grassroots band and like trying to get some traction in the world of social media and spotify and everything trying to get somebody to listen to your um, music or then being like at the other end of the spectrum, having like this weighted, you know, people waiting around for your music to drop. Mm. And, um, you know, at the moment, especially if people haven't got anything to, to soak up, they're, they're desperate for their favorite band to release something. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of difficult to, I've, al I've always thought it's, it's difficult to, um, hook in listeners without having something for them to actually see in a live setting or you know you don't know at, the, at this moment when live gigs are really going to come back in in this sort of smaller venues anyway for us yeah of course where we need to be we talk about that discover discoverability thing a little bit because one of the things that's really interesting is and like literally everyone knows this you guys know this i know this people listening to the podcast knows this but if you want to if you're a band you want to grow an audience you go out and play shows right fucking obvious all of a sudden that's taken away 
and it puts you oddly enough on the same level as like doing a podcast because right. the discoverability is almost the same like i can put my shit on spotify but unless people know it's there no one's gonna fucking listen to it yeah. and so you end up sinking hundreds of quid into ads you know trying to get people to like but as a band are you guys thinking about you know this is how much money we can each like put in the pot for ads or i know you got that that retweet from frank turner and and that kind of stuff like what's the what how what do you do yeah i mean that's a, it's, it's hard because like i mean we've all we all set out as well and said in the beginning i mean we've all been doing you know bands for a very very long time now and at all different kinds of levels as well and it, it you know we've got like our sort of if you want a better word cut like history of you know you know contacts for example for, for shows and stuff so obviously when we come out of this um there'll be people who we can probably reach out to who will be able to help us you know getting on some good shows to get like just you know we're not about wanting to be you know making something big of this or anything it's just about being i just want to play shows that's just going to be a good crowd of people and have a good fun time you know it's not um you're allowed to admit to wanting to be a millionaire. It's okay. I want uh, that. I uh, want that too, I man. That once already it didn't work out. <laughs> that went a long time ago. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, it is hard. And like, uh, and the one thing we'd always said, you know, we're all like, you know, pe- you know, guys, a bunch of guys who are like, you know, married, we've got kids and stuff. You know, like, it's, we can't, you know, justify times being able to put money into into something, say, for promotion, because like, I've got you know a family to to look after you know what I mean so it's it's really hard and to to want to do that and I think like I say I think because we've all done this for a long time and we kind of know the ropes I think that come when we do come out of this I think that we will know just where to go and how to do it to just get the right amount of you know people interested just to make it so that we we get something out of it um, which is to be able to put across quite a bit of the message and stuff what's you know involved in the in the content of the band, um, but also have just a really, really, like, you know, a lot of fun with it, you know, and a, and a good time. Um, it's meant to be at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, it's, 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 it's interesting trying to figure out how to get people to check out your stuff, but um, that's not really why we all got in a room and started playing music together. That was, yeah. that was a long, long way down the list of priorities. Um, it just seems more vital at the moment because of the sort of situation that we're in. Mm. Um, but we're lucky, like um, our other guitarist, Beef, he's really good with the social media stuff. He's really good at like the video that's out there. He made all that um, just from like, we, we filmed some stuff on our iPhones in practice. Um, and he, uh, you know, he had a concept behind it and, he, he, he ran with it and he's interested in, you know, how, how many hits he can get on social media in like a marketing sense, because that's what he does day in, day out. But really, that's quite foreign and alien from what we've all done in the past and what we probably will do in the future sort of thing. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty cool that you've got a, like, not many bands have a have a marketing person. You know, I mean, bands like <laughs> at that play in the band, I mean, yeah, he loves it. There's beef. Yeah, he loves it. Good yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just he gets. I think he just because he gets super like involved, like involved in it. And once his head's in that space, he just like that's it. So that's really good because I'm, I'm such a lazy fucker when it comes to stuff like that. I'm terrible. Like, um, so yeah, it's really good to have somebody who, you know, and it's not because like Beef wants to make the band like 
you know, massive famous. He's just doing it because he just wants to, you want just people to hear this, you know what I mean? It's a focus for him as well, because he, he's basically been uh, isolating for like a year just in his house and th this has been an outlet for him. You know, if yeah. people want some sockets wiring or some riffs writing, that's that's what I can do. But, uh, <laughs> shooting a video or whatever, that is not my that is not my game plan. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I think it comes with, and I feel this a lot, but there's a certain sense of like validation to it too, though, right? Like when you put the you put stuff out there, people hear it, and it's, it's always cool when someone likes the shit that you do. Yeah. Like I always get a buzz when someone's like, "Hey, that was a dope podcast." I'm like, "Ah, oh, thanks, mum." You know, like it's there's always a kind of, I, I guess it's a kickback, right? You kind of you do it, and you're like, "Yeah, this isn't why I do it, yeah, but it's but a nice like add-on." Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you didn't get any of those, eventually you'd just be like, "Am I just talking in an empty room for?" Yeah. And so you've got to have you've got to have some sort of comeback. It's, nice. it's, 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 it's really cool to get any like you know positive feedback, and and especially like I say, because the the feels that there is a message in it, um, in, in this just in this EP alone, and um, but you know I, I find it funny as well. Like we you know we recently we've been putting stuff out to just try and get some. Um, you know, stuff onto like playlists and stuff and like people just like turning you down because they didn't like the guitar tone of your, of your, of your, like your EP. Too, and I'm like, too much reverb on the vocals. And they were just, yeah, like, oh. I, I'm just like, what the, f you know, like, I don't know, like, you know, the, to me, especially the sort of music that we're doing, it, it comes, there's a, there is just a sound there, but it's, it's everything, you know, so some of its parts, it's all the elements in there. And, I think it all just complements each other so much. And so it's just funny when you get someone who's just kind of like, nah, I can't play that because the, the bass is just like, you know, too clunky. All oh, right. Yeah, it's like the the whole, like the analysis that some of these people had put into it and like a real like bass level where we, we just thought people would listen to it and go, yeah, I either like that song or I don't like that song or, you know, yeah, that's, it's, the music's cool, but normally I like the, the vocals to be sung but these people have been like really analyzing sonically where like the, the, the production was at. And we were just like, what? People, yeah. people look this deeply into yeah. this. Like most people know, but the problem is, is that I say we, I really shouldn't because I'm not a music journalist anymore, but we think it's impressive and we think it impresses people and we think that that's how we add value. Right. And like, that's, I mean, I am like openly quite cynical about this and I've banged on about it for, for ages. Um, I did music journalism for years and you don't really get taught how to do anything. People just go, oh, we don't have to pay you. You want to write for us? Here's a CD. Like, what do you think? And, yeah. you know, you go to NME or, you know, whoever, and they ask the same fucking questions to every band and you go, okay, that's how I do an interview. And you read album reviews and people are like, oh, you know, the bass line's clunky or like this reverb on the you know, the vocals or whatever. And you go, oh, okay, that's what I write about. Yeah. But really it's like, it it doesn't impress anyone except some like half cut idiot frat boy, you know, who's like, oh, I like clunky bass. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, but that's the kind of the environment that you go into that stuff. And so like, your average people don't, right? You either like a song or you don't. It means something to you or it doesn't kind of thing. But from like a quote unquote journalism view or hobby journalism point of view, that's where that shit comes from. We think it's impressive and we think that it like shows that we understand music and no one else does. And that's why they read our shit. It's just, it's just wank. Yeah. You know, this is why I don't write for anyone. <laughs> setting, you know, 
the guy who's uh, who's been moshing down the front for like every song, even though he's never seen you, but he's like had 25 Carlsbergs. You know, I care more about what what, what he's slurring after the set than uh, some dude yeah. on his keyboard who's really sonically analysed whether the snare was maybe overtuned on one of its lugs or something. I don't know. And you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? We should have responded to that one by saying, what's your thoughts on the uh, snare drum on St. Anger? (laughs) (laughs) See what the critique was on that. Yeah. Great. Bob Rock's a genius. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys find the the whole kind of media, social media thing? I've talked to a couple bands and they've been like, yeah, you know, it's fine. But then you see like some websites who just rip people for fun and like, I know that for me doing this, I was reluctant to put it out for a real long time. Right, you know, right. I kind of had this sense of like protectiveness around it. Cause like I say, I know that music, music journalists are wankers. And so I was kind of like, oh, if I put this out, people are going to listen to it. And someone's going to comment on Facebook and be like, you're a dick. And that's going to run my day. Like I'm too sensitive. I mean, how do you guys, do you just not really care? Or like, what's the balance there? I think everybody cares on some level, don't they? Like, nobody... Yeah. I think like this was funny because Beef got all these replies from what he referred to as tastemakers. Like he had to submit our song to these people who put them on playlists on Spotify or something, and he referred to them as tastemakers. And to me, like that—that that is not the person that I ever imagined me caring about their opinion. But when he sent all this like negative feedback, I was like, look. I'm not, I don't, I don't agree with the negative feedback. I, you know, it doesn't, doesn't bother me, but, and then like just launched into this really angry tirade, ripping what they had written about us apart. Like, yeah, I got to admit, but yeah, I got to admit, it did actually like, it probably got to me actually more than what I thought it would. So at one point I was a bit like, what the, what, like what? But yeah, I guess, I I don't know, like on the social media side of things, it's kind of like, I mean, I guess at the moment for us, we're not really at a, at a point yet where we've probably been exposed to a lot of negative or positive, for that matter, um, like criticism or, or on, what, on what we're doing. So I guess we've got that, that, that time is yet to come. But I mean, I guess if you're going to say anything negative about what we're trying to put across, I feel, in the content of, you know, us, then you're probably a fucking arsehole anyway. So like, <laughs> I wouldn't really give a shit what they thought. Um, and yeah. I want to challenge them on it and, and, and kind of give them some shit back. But me and Simon yeah. come from an era where social media wasn't really about when we were like launching our first sort of bands. And so you were waiting for fanzines to write about you or whatever. And you yeah. know, the few times that a fanzine got put in front of you with a review from a show that you did six months ago or whatever, most people who write fanzines, they're not going to fill their pages with negative stuff anyway. They're just going to write about the gigs they enjoyed. So it's like a different era. And that was social media at that point, you know, written on an A4 piece of paper that had been photocopied 2000 times or whatever. So it's a little... I tend to be as well. If, if, if they wouldn't write something so much negative about you, it's just that you wouldn't get many words in the zine. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of like, and and then next such and such was on, and and it'd be so like vague, that, yeah, like that it would just be kind of like, yeah, they they clearly like maybe heard a song and then fucked off to like you know the bar or whatever, and then came back later or um, they went yeah, to the bar to talk about themselves 
to yeah. someone who didn't give a fuck. That's yeah. generally like you go on you go on tour and you always like you're always bit, as a northern band you're always like oh you know the London dates this day and you know the you you're um the guys who are looking after you, uh, booking and whatever, they're sending you, oh, you need to put all these people on guest list for your London date. You ain't got no guest list at any other show because, you know, journos don't come to any of them. So you're always like building this hype up about the London date. And then you, basically you've put all these people on a guest list. There's like 25 people from all the major magazines and whatever. And then you see them all come in and you know them and they're like, oh yeah, that's that dude from that magazine. Yeah, yeah. And then they never come into the gig. They stand at the bar chin wagging and you know you're like i've just given them a free night out for absolutely fuck all and then yeah you see the the review that few few weeks later in a magazine and it is like that simon says there's there's very little content of what they've actually soaked in about your band but they might name check hopefully a band that you like but quite often a band that you don't like and they're like oh this band is like yeah so derivative of like i don't know and you're just like oh what the fuck was all you know all that you emotional stress for yeah and then they all want to bring a plus one and so yeah. the 25 people becomes 50 people and then they're like a third of the room and you're well, going fuck <laughs> nobody pays <laughs> nobody pays in yeah. make any money you can't pay you and then you you get fuck off to pay for your petrol to get like you know back home it's, yeah it's a classic it's a circle classic but yeah that is kind of it feels like that was such a different like oh, like a long time ago like yeah you know, era of stuff you know it's really it's funny actually i follow um oh christ i can't remember the name of the uh, the page thing that i follow on instagram but it was from actually someone who i saw i think was from nuclear uh family our, our label and it's some guy or girl who's putting up like loads of flyers um on like previous gigs and like one of my old bands actually showed up on one of the on one of the flyers and and it just brought back so many memories for me of like you know without being too nostalgic but oh i love nostalgia when we went to shows it was yeah it was all about like uh there used to be a really awesome dude in in leeds um who used to on shows called paul graham and like paul was just like he's just such a good dude and he used to get kind of he had so many good contacts around the uk and i mean like um it was the lineups he put together were just like yeah they were insane like and everyone wanted to play a show in Leeds because it was kind of that it was like this center hub of like there was obviously a lot of great bands in the city and then a lot of like the London bands would want to come up and play Leeds because it was just really well known for its its hardcore metal as well sort of and stoner and all that sort of stuff and Paul used to put on these shows and what I loved about it was like, you know, you go into the gig and there was always a table where everybody put their flyers out on the table. And so you'd be, that was your source of finding out when you were going to your next show. You know, Paul would always be at other people's shows as well. And he'd always be outside to the bitter end, you know, flyering for his gigs. And, and his gigs were always packed. Like they were always, and there was some, I mean, back in the day, you know, the bands such as like, you know, Architects and, Feature at the time, and all, all these great, like, um, was it, you know, all these great, like, hardcore bands and metal bands and stuff that, that came in. It's funny to see all of them now, like, just how they were playing. It was like either there was there was three kind of places, really. There was the biggest sort of medium-sized venue, which was the Joseph Welling Leeds, and then there was, like, the Fenton and the Pack Horse, and, yeah. like, there were these, and 
and you just need 50 people in there for it to feel like you were playing to the like this packed room it would just be wicked and it, it was just yeah and and these shows obviously and just seeing that kind of that that page of the day and these flyers being that, that used to go out it just made me think that like i do like miss that element of it because you know a lot of people share stuff on the internet you know they put up stuff on the fa- on the facebook but because again because things are moving so rapidly and it sort of goes and it appears yeah and you kind of almost forget it and like i just remember like mornings after being to these sorts of shows and waking up like with a hangover and like pulling out shit out of my jeans pockets and it would literally be like collections of like flyers of shows and I'd like pin them up on the wall to be like right yeah I'm definitely going to go to that show and go to that show and you know I know it's obviously very nostalgic but I, I do miss that kind of um I miss paper yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know like you know it's not as uh, environment friendly but like it you know it just, I do miss that kind of that feeling. But I guess then as well, it was, that was a time, do you know what I mean? It was a time that that was happening and, you know, it was a beautiful thing at the time. And it's, We should know, bring it back though. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, miss that shit so much. But photocopied yeah, flyers and photocopied posters that somebody's like hand drawn all the names. And I love, I love like look, looking back and they've, there's like the, the band name and then a slight description. Like, I don't know. Yeah, UK's answer to Converge or whatever are like, and it, you'd always be like, oh, pretty psyched about that. Yeah, and yeah. Then, you, know, the... you didn't ever actually think they were going to be UK's answer to Converge, but... and they never, yeah, never sounded like. It. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was... a way to get you in. But... I, I was in. Sorry, do you go somewhere? No, 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 no. You come on. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say I was in Seattle a couple of years ago um, at the Museum of Pop Culture, and they had a Nirvana exhibition. And cool. they had all those kinds of posters like in the Nirvana exhibition and I'm standing there and there's all these young kids around and that's great because music's awesome. But I'm just standing there feeling like the fucking grand old man because yeah. I'm like, oh, I remember we used to make posters like that. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't feel like it was that well, long that was, ago, but it fucking was. They're looking at them like that was, part of, dead that, was part of, that was the part of the beauty of it all, wasn't it as well? It was kind of the whole like collective of things that came with those sorts of shows as well like you like you say I remember like a lot of people would do like poster art and sell you know their posters and stuff at shows and all days were like a a great thing in Leeds as well Um, and I remember like quite quite a few years ago now a friend of mine well two friends of mine they run like a like a magazine called Shut and um, we did like a festival for that like uh, Shut Fest and we just it was one of those like um like gigs where I literally we, we sat down together and we put down a massive list of like bands that we wanted to get to play but we were like yeah but we've got to make sure that we've got like the reserves as well not because we fought only less of them bands it's just that if we can't get this band we need to have something you know somebody yeah. else and literally every single band that we asked like was like yeah yeah we're well up for it and it turned out to be like the best like fucking weekend it was just so good man like it was like you guys played, didn't you? Derail. Uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're on the post. Yeah, there was Derail. There was like Bosk at the time. There was um, Trencher, Freezing Fog played. Like yeah. Ed's other band that he did from Beecher, didn't he? And yeah, it was it was, it was great. I miss doing that. But we yeah. were at the joy of like doing that at a really cool venue as well in Leeds called the Brudenell, which is just a fucking awesome venue. It's just yeah. that's like every time I think about playing live that's always the thing that I imagine is you're just playing in the brood now because it's sort of it's like the sort of home 
And I just floor shows like it's got a real. It's it's if you've never been, it's like an old working men's club. It's got full on Phoenix nights like glitter backdrop behind the stage. But like yeah. some of the best shows I've ever seen there is just like nobody playing on the stage. Everybody just sets up on the floor. Yeah, people just right up on top of the band. It's yeah. just it's unreal like that. That's the sort of stuff that gives you goosebumps. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've, I see. I've only left Edinburgh once, so I haven't seen any of this shit because you know the world started ending. Um, not <laughs> not because I don't like traveling. So, but I'm hoping that yeah, like once the the we you know we sort of hit the the Mad Max level of what the world's gonna be like that there are independent venues still standing. Yeah, we can. It makes me want to put it like I put on shows a little bit. And I loved like going into a pub and seeing like the poster for the show that I was doing and, you know, all the stuff you guys have been talking about. And it makes me want to put on shows again, yeah, just, yeah. you know, minus the fucking financial burden of doing so. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'd love to do it again, but literally like, I, I just wanted to know where to start now. Like it's the time as well. I mean, it's, you know, so you've got to put a lot of, you know, time into it. And I think because it, I guess the landscape's changed though as well. Like there's not as many of the underground shows that you could literally go and infiltrate to be able to give like your flyers out to and stuff. And there was just like I say in Leeds at that time, there was just this kind of this scene that was just it just all fitted to place so perfectly. And um I, even though it's gone and you know you don't even know whether that's out there on any sort of level at the moment. You just you don't know what we're gonna step yeah. back into the world and I like you know, I'm sure 95% of people that went to shows are going to be so pumped about gigs being back, but how everything's going to reopen and restart is like another matter altogether, really. Um, it's hard to visualise the world, really, I guess, being back to how it, you know, it was. And, you know, it obviously will do one day, come back to that. But, you know, I've every... We, you know, I'm, I'm so desperate and I want shows to come back and festivals and all that. But when you look at the reality, I think that we, we're still we're still a bit of a way from that, to be fair. Um, and, and, you know, for good reason, we want to, you know, people need to be safe. And um, it's just mad, isn't it? Like, it, it, this shit is the sort of thing that you literally only ever thought you would see in a movie. Like, mm. and it has, and it's happened. And, and I, I was out today, actually, I was just walking, uh, I was going to the, into the supermarket and, I just had a brief like momentary thing in my head of like walking past and then it just it sort of like dawned on me again that fucking hell, everyone's wearing like walking around with masks on like and because it's become so it's become the normality on the like, you know unless you, you're a dick and you don't wear one <laughs> like that's you know, people obviously don't have to because of medical reasons but like you know it just again because it's become so like normal and then all of a sudden I was like fucking hell like we're, we're literally yeah we're just walking around with masks on like you know we're there's literally a disease that has like spread around the world it's just spread around the world and it really kind of it didn't freak me out but i was a bit kind of like fuck because you just it's become so ingrained into into the, our day-to-day -day, uh you know living and so yeah it's, it's crazy but I, I just i guess it's going to be so interesting to see how the world comes out of this but not just because of this, but I think a lot of the things that have been concentrated inside of this, um, a lot of the political things that have happened around the, the country, around the world, are, are, that are still going on and that are probably going to come up uh, in, in the next, you know, six months to a year. Um, there's got to be, a, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of rocky roads ahead, I think, but yeah. um, I, I do see that people are starting to 
starting to realise a bit more now and they're starting to speak out about it a little bit more and get, you know, a little that's, bit angry. That's one side of the social media ar argument, isn't it? Is that you do see people's opinions on everything like this a lot more. Yeah. And um, it's good that, you know, that everything can be highlighted um, and aired in public. Yeah. But there's always a flip side to it. And um, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Like, it's so fucking dangerous. Um, and it frightens me as well because, you know, being someone who is a father, um, it, to see how it, how social media has progressed and kind of, like, like I say, I do believe that there are positives that you can use it for. Absolutely, 100%. I'm not... But there are, I've seen so many fucking horrible negatives from it as well. And I think that, you know, it, it does scare me, you know, being a father. I mean, I'm, I don't think you need to be a parent to, 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 be, to be afraid of what, what, it's, what it's generating this, this next generation and what it can potentially create and do to, to, to people's mental health, especially. Because um, it is just, because it moves so quickly. That's the thing with it. It moves so quickly and it takes one thing and then it snowballs and it, yeah, it becomes, it can become fucking very, 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 very dangerous. The negative power of it can just snowball so quickly, can't it? And yeah, of course. Absolutely. People's backs up so quickly. Like, yeah. People don't really seem to engage brain before like either, you know, typing something up or just reacting to it and feeling like, oh, yeah, this person wrote this. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, without really thinking through whether that is actually how you feel. It feels like, like, it feels like it's removed a lot of people's rationality and, like, and rational thought. And, yeah, like you say, it's that taking of... It's one of my... On the sort of moments on the political side of it is that the one of my fucking massive pet hates is that... And I see a lot of my, like, people who I know doing this and... It's the kind of echo chamber that, that things such as Instagram have become. And like, you know, when I see people who they put up videos about how they, you know, they, you know, obviously confronting things, you know, like such as racism and everything and like, but they'll just spout that out on their, on their profile or whatever it is in, in, in a video. And it's, it's going to people who, you know, so they, you know, more or less should, you know, agree with you on it because like, you know, you don't want to be friends with someone who is a racist, you know what I mean? So, but it becomes this sort of echo chip that like, yeah, I see you shouting about it, but you're not, you're not fucking changing anything. Like you just literally, you're telling it to the people who you know, who already know. And so I tend to not try to, you know, spout or, or, or regurgitate things that I see on on, 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 on on social media platforms. And I think that you do see them people sort of calling out and saying, yeah, there's not enough of my friends speaking out, but it's like, yeah, but you're only speaking to us. Like you're not, you're not going out into the street and, you know, seeing somebody who is, you know, for, you know, who is say like it's racist, you know, and, and confronting them and sort of, and trying to educate them and change that person's mind because you don't need to change your friend's mind. They already, they already know and have got, have got you know, sensible thinking. You, you need to be out there to, to, to you know, confront the people that, that are believing these things. And it really is one of my kind of, one of the things that gets my, like, gets my back up about, you know, the, the social media on that side of things. Who's that? <laughs> A little visitor. <laughs> hey, what's hey. up? <laughs> Are you going back down? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. 
Super cute. I have to go to the one toilet that I'm I'm in the same room as, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the old days when if you read something you were really, really angry about, you had to hand write a letter, put it in an envelope, walk down to the postie, and then send it into the newspaper that you disagreed with. And that's when you knew you were pissed about something. Right? Well, like you couldn't just jump on Twitter and be like, fuck everything. Like there used to be a program yeah. called well, it's an- like where angry people would write in and then like once a week somebody would sit there to the camera and read out these people's like opinions and then (laughs) discuss them and it's like now we've got to the point where this doesn't exist because everybody's just like so instant you know the gratification of telling somebody how you feel is at the end of your fingertips constantly yeah it, it kind of wears me down a bit to be honest me too yeah i'm i'm bad for it i'm one of those like that's a really shit way to phrase this statement like yeah i go online and rage that's that is not where i was going with not where i was going with that i was gonna say i'm one of those people that like i find social so sticky that i'll wake up in the morning and go on instagram like before i've even opened my fucking eyes and i hate that about myself and i'm like i should put my phone in a glass of water or throw it out the fucking window and you know, like any other thing than, than do that. But it's one of those things like, and I guess you guys, it's probably the same thing where we'd probably all feel like we're happier without it, but because of the band or the podcast or this or that, you've got to be like in it's there like- and you've got to be contributing and talking. And, you know, you follow, I follow a bunch of bands on Twitter, right? I try to keep it like as sane as I can, but then like a singer in a small band retweets something. And I'm like, great. Now that guy's an asshole. I have to unfollow him. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just never, like never ending trying to, you know, cultivate not Get being surrounded by ourselves. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's a good, like the whole thing of like, you know, the wake up and, and just check, check the phone. And it's the, like the first thing you do, it's like, it's, it's bizarre. It's, and we all do it. And it's because it's become, I guess, a, like, a big part it's just part of like people's lives isn't it? and it's just like but i think that it's interesting that like we kind of you feel this obligation like you say if you're doing things such as music now so you feel like you've got to have i mean there are certain things that sort of tie you into it. i think that if you want to run a band profile on facebook you've got to have a personal one i believe yeah um, yes yeah. yeah, so like so you're drawn into having it still anyway you can't you sort of separate yourself out for that and it's it, it's just hard, isn't it? But it's become so in, in, ingrained into us that, like, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, my partner did it, where she um, she runs like a business, and and, and Instagram is quite a um, an integral part of her of her business because it's a very visual based um, like business that she does. And she came off her own personal one on Instagram, and she said that the difference it made to her, like mentally, was just it was unmeasurable because it was kind of like this whole like world that it perceives to you. And I know it's very cliche what I'm probably going to say now, but this whole world that it perceives to you that you've got to look a certain way or life is a certain way or everyone's living their life a certain way. And it's like, and it's just not like that at all. Like life is, you know, good for a large percentage of time, but there are parts of your life that are fucking shit or that are bad or there's hard times or whatever. And this kind of like unreal kind of projection that it's given to people to be like, no, life is great all the time. It makes you kind of 
sometimes yeah kind of look at maybe your own and think is, is everything going okay and it's like this fucking bullshit it's, you know everybody is struggling one way or another especially in the times we're in now as well and um, and i think that yeah uh, it's just how you know how is the world going to be able to to uh, to wean itself off that kind of this world that we're in now like i don't know can it I don't think it can, probably. I don't think it can. I think, like, life and everything is so revolving around it. And there are, like, businesses just seem, like, 95% of businesses now seem to solely exist on social media or on the internet. Like, the the high street has gone and, like, shops closing down. So, you know, who, who, you've got to have a phone at the end of your limb to connect with, like yeah the rest of the world yeah i mean there's so there's great things about it you know like it's, it's not all negative but yeah it's it's kind of that obligation that you feel for certain things that you probably don't need to have it for but you just send up yeah. anyway and i think that's the kind of that is the real difficult thing so i would like to try and and break myself away from it i think it would be i think it'd be a healthy thing to do um easier said than done though yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's just because, like, so much of your life is brought into this situation. Like, you know, you take photos and, like, you know, you want to show people parts of your life because it's a nice thing to do as well at the same time. But, yeah, you're just drawn into this, yeah, this world still. And it's, yeah. I think especially, you, especially when, like, you're living away from family and friends and stuff. Yeah. You know, right. like, all my, all my family and friends and stuff live in New Zealand, right? So yeah. there's a sense of, like, you go online and you take photos and you're like, oh, look, it's Edinburgh Castle. And it's like the most, you know, photographed stack of rocks, like in the fucking world. But, you know, you take your own photo and it's like, look at me here. And, you know, straight yeah. up onto, onto Instagram, or whatever, you know, and you, you just, yeah, you're kind of, it's, it's proper addiction level stuff, which I think is, it probably doesn't get the, um, the awareness around that, that it needs, you know, like I've noticed if I delete the app from my phone, I'll still open my phone and go to where the app is and go, Oh, Oh, it's not there anymore. And then put my phone down and be sad for like 30 seconds. And I'm just like, who have I fucking become? Like what kind of person does that? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Everybody. Unfortunately, like, yeah, that's just, it's now become just another thing that everybody does. You know, if, if you're stood waiting for somebody on the street, what will you do? Like if, if you're waiting for your girlfriend or your wife, 95% of the time you will put your hand in the pocket, go to your phone and just be like, well, I've got to kill some time now. I'll just look at what's going on, whether it's social media or just looking at something on a website. It's, it's a natural reaction now. I think, you know, we may. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. It's like, it's just look up and see what else is going on around us. But, if you're just sat or if you're stuck between three gray walls on a street waiting for something to happen, what else, what else are you going to do? The natural thing now is to look down at your phone, I think. And see what other people are doing. Yeah. It's got to be better than waiting for my three-year-old to come out of nursery. <laughs> As creatives, do you guys remember what it's like to be bored? And what I mean by this is I feel like if we had more time to be bored, we would think of more shit. Now, a ex- really extreme example of that is, um, and I, 
is Greg from Dillinger Escape Plan, Kill or Be Killed, right? He is like, he doesn't have a life. Like his life is, and he said this to me, he, he just lives waiting for, you know, the next bit of inspiration. He puts it on his phone. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He'll drop whatever he's doing for a song idea. He's like, I don't go out. I don't do anything. I just, I just make stuff, which is, you know, an amazing place to be if that's where you want to be. But do you guys feel like if we could put these things down, you would be more creative because you'd have more space to think shit through? Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like it's ever hindered me in, in a creative uh, process. I mean, if it did, then I would be very, very, like, concerned. I would be kind of like, right, this definitely needs to go in the in the bin. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't think it's, it, it does... I mean, if anything, I, I, you know, it has its positives in the fact that the access that I've had to, you know the news and socials, which obviously I do get off my phone. Um, I read obviously a lot of stuff online with regards to the news outlets that I choose. And that helps me to get, you know, my understanding of how I feel um, and my opinions on things. And, and obviously, and that helps with my, my writing. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's clear to be that that was always going to be the case for what's been going on the last 12 months. It was like, I couldn't write about anything else. Do you know what I mean? I had to, and it, you know, all right, it's my my take on the on the on the version of events, but you know, however everyone's feeling, I think that the especially in the UK, I think that for the younger element or generation, should I say, there is so much to connect to with what what's been put out and you know portrayed on this EP, um, because it's just so relevant to everybody, and it's kind of a cool thing to be like what you're singing about is, is, is what's been affecting everybody. Like, you know, things that I've written about in the past have been either something that's affected me personally, or it's affected maybe, you know, single other people around me or even a group, for example. But this is a, a worldwide thing, you know, not just a, you know, a domestic, you know, in the UK, it's it, what's been going on and what's been sung about is, is, is well, it's, it's, it's felt quite good to obviously be like, put it on that that platform but be knowing that it's, it's it's like everyone's felt the same everyone's suffered like the same and like hopefully everyone can like talk about it you know and, and, and get something from it you know um just um going away from the question you actually asked and uh, sort of focusing on what simon sort of said um we didn't we didn't like really discuss what this band was going to be other than like musical influences, you know, what's what sort of, we started and I was just like, you know, I love Hope Conspiracy, so I'm gonna sort of, but I, I, generally everything I write is a little bit more metally. So it's kind of, it was gonna go in that direction, but we didn't discuss like lyrical themes and if we were gonna be a political band or anything. But I think as you get to like the ages that we are, you you generally have these feelings of, you know, more political awareness on, on a different level than just being like listening to Rage Against the Machine and being angry at everything. Yeah. So like we didn't really discuss about whether we were going to be a, right about political topics. It was more that like the, the situation suddenly arose and like when Simon brought the lyrics to, to well, like he put the lyrics down on a demo that we did and then uh, sent me an email of what the lyrics were about because I, I was going to write some other pieces to go in there. And like every, every band I've ever done before has always been like lyrically very emo or like very much based around um, individuals' uh, feelings towards people. And when like I, I, I got these lyrics, I was just like really sort of 
inspired at how he had looked at the situations that were going on in the world and like yeah ju just a bit of social awareness more than being like overtly political and just we, this was this was sort of things we topics we discussed at practice more on our, our opinions on the shit that was going on in the world but it was never like right we should write songs about this it was just like yeah it, it just came out and this is kind of the direction the band's gone in and that's purely just just sort of a direction that we've been led with uh, interests more than like being overtly we need to do a political hardcore band because of the state of the world we should we should do this it's just like just how it's gone yeah and i felt like, like when you get old then as you say you feel you know i've done things similar to this when i was when i was much younger and you know obviously just as with age maturity and everything and like i feel like you know, obviously articulated better now at this age than probably when i was when i was younger i've only to look at some of my uh, lyrics when i was younger to think yeah you probably weren't putting that point across in the best way possible but you know like you know we've all got to start somewhere right but um yeah it's uh it just it, it's just felt right and it's felt it just felt really natural um and yeah, just it, it almost it's quite cathartic, you know, like to be able to just put it out and what I feel about it as well. And and it was really nice, like, because to hear Neil and, and the rest of the guys sort of say that I didn't really need to kind of drill down into the explanation and, mm -hmm. di you know, dissecting the, the what was what was in the content. It was just kind of like it could be read and um, yeah, just and, 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 and you could get what you know, what, what, what you feel from it as well, basically. Yeah, that's always my my rule, my one rule on this podcast is I, I never ask bands to um, explain what their songs are about. Yeah. Because it's that kind of thing of like, some, and so, you know, sometimes it's it's obvious stuff, right? Like nearly talked about Rage Against the Machine before, um, but sometimes it's not. And even if it is like an obvious thing and, and you can still find your own way into a track, you know, you can still find you. And I feel like as soon as that kind of gets explained, and this is what I've really liked about this conversation is we've kind of talked around it without sort of directly like digging yeah. into it. Cause it's like, as soon as you know, it just kind of takes it away from it. You know, it's just like, oh, that's what that song's about. Okay, cool. Well, it doesn't mean this to me anymore. You know, and I always think that's such a bummer when you have a song that like you love and then you find out what it's about and you, it never quite feels the same. You know? I don't know. I, some, some of my favourite songs have been, you know, you, you, you have your own take on the lyrics and then you do find out what inspired them. Or I'm thinking may, maybe certain songs where they, they really are like, you know, a storytelling lyric to the, whole, to the whole song all the way through. And then you find out about some true life event of the, the, the uh, lyricist. And I, I, I love that sort of thing. It's the other way around for me. It's when you, you find this storytelling song and you're so invested in it, and then you find out that there's absolutely nothing behind it. But like, <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know, the, the guy just brushes it off with like, no, yeah, yeah, no, it's just about nothing. Like that's when I'm over a song. That's when I'm done is because if there wasn't a true life event or some real emotional connection to it, that, that's when I, I'm I'm bored. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I find lyrics like one of those things that you know, kind of, I've, I've, the songs that I see and the lyrics, they're just, they're really fucking cool lyrics. They're just, mm. and they're great words. They don't fucking mean anything together. They just, 
they just come across as like it, it just it fits really well with the phrase and in the dynamics of the song like I remember once listening to a um, like a, an interview with Chino Marino from from mm-hmm. the night like, uh, and Dan Carter who was doing the uh, interview he was he sort of like asked him about certain um, words like like the song titles and stuff and like the meanings and like I remember Chino Marino just like sort of answering and going yeah like if you're looking for like basically like sort of content in 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 the song there there sort of isn't it's just a bunch of words that just like it just sounds great you know like you listen to a song like um what's my song? own summer my own summer shove it shove it yeah there's no great great meaning behind it it wasn't written about a really good summer yeah exactly and it's just like you know like oh, but then you listen to a song like be quiet and drive and the song's unbelievable it's unreal it's still one of my favorite songs of all time like uh, i just I, I listen to that song anytime anywhere and it just still makes it just hits me every time i listen to it it's fucking unbelievable Does it take you back to that time and place of like when you first sort of heard it or a particular time you heard it yeah absolutely and like and but then you look at the lyrics of that and yet it feels like it's singing to you and that there's there's some message coming towards you but then it's just like there's nothing to it it's just it's the way that it's been sung to you that it just kind of you know and again that that i think that counts for a lot of things you know like you listen to some bands and you can't even you can't even tell what the the vocalist is saying but yet you still feel like you're getting some connection from what's been sung at you like i feel that like that's bands such as converge are a good example of you can't really tell what you know um jacob is saying but you still feel like there's something being projected at you and put into you from it, from a lyrical perspective. And I, it is a really difficult one because like... I think that's delivery over lyrics though. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, delivery. That's, yeah, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those really. But then, yeah, there are times when I just, I do really enjoy listening to like certain, I mean, more metal sort of stuff, I guess, as well. Like, you know, I'm a huge Mastodon fan and like, I love going into like their lyrical content and stuff. Um, I find it just, yeah, it's just awesome, basically. And um, bands like Neurosis as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, yeah, lyrics, they're just there. It's interesting, like, you can, you can love a band that, basically sing about nothing yeah certain certain songs or certain bands hook you in in a different way don't they like the whole the whole delivery thing it you know if it's an emotive song it's the it's the way it's sort of across isn't it that um absolutely yeah i feel like that's true for so much art you know, yeah. I don't know, like I, you wouldn't necessarily call a Marvel movie art, um, but, you know, it's those sort of popcorn movies, right? And you get the same with books and songs and, and yeah. all kinds of things, video games and that sort of stuff. Guys, this has been an absolute fucking pleasure. Thank you for coming oh, and hanging you. out. I've, I've appreciated your time tonight. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it, Simon and Neil from Block Out the Sun here on the Modern Punk Podcast. Thanks so much for coming and checking this week's episode out it is always appreciated and i hope you're enjoying them i hope you're enjoying this one too especially uh tweet me at more than punk hit me up on facebook more than punk podcast as i said last week i think i'm beginning to hit a level of internet fame where i have middle-aged guys ripping me about not being punk enough so i'm super excited about where that's going to take me and and what that's going to mean for the podcast i mean i just can't wait i should set up a patreon 
or maybe some t-shirts that say like more than punk isn't punk that sounds pretty cool bit of a drop shipping business as a side hustle i wanted to lead this week's episode out with against the ropes which is the latest track from block out the sun's self-titled ep which you can get right the hell now on spotify apple music you can even buy a copy which you should definitely do it's a seriously cool ep i'll be back again next week with c space cowboy chatting everything from gender dysphoria to whether fame is worth it to buying gucci i mean it's a wide-ranging really interesting episode with c space cowboys lead singer connie scarbosa i can't wait for you to hear it it's going to be fantastic this is block out the sun against the ropes you're on the more than punk podcast Thank <laughs> you.